this is Pat Evans with the Men Brew Podcast. This month, it's Cranker's Month. So we sat down with James Crank, one of the owners of Cranker's Brewery. We talked about all sorts of things, from beer, to brewing, to hockey. So go ahead, give this week a listen. James Crank? Hey, Uh... First, I want you to tell me what we're drinking, because this is awesome. We are drinking our first firkin here that we ever tapped at the Cranker's Grand Rapids location. It is a robust porter uh, brewed with dark coffee beans and dark chocolate. So what we're talking about right now is your brewer, Adam Mills, and just, you know, I wrote about how your dad kind of interviewed him and found him and how you had pretty much a pick of the litter of who you could have but he's turned into something else he's gone from a teacher to teacher, teacher slash home brewer, brewer yeah <laughs> right to this professional brewer who's seen other professional brewers come to be as his assistant and then go on to other things and that's yep. crazy yeah working well, with him what do you see from him as a professional brewer well what i see is that i look at him as an artist and artists just have that knack to be able to teach others and and make things easier for others to understand i mean we really got into the brewing at crankers you know i was a little wet behind my ears and i've had some you know difficult questions to ask adam that you know he put it in nice simple terms for me to help me understand and i think that had something to do when he was a teacher um, here in Grand Rapids uh, before we hired him to be the home brewer. So he, he worked with kids and, you know, uh, understood uh, the science of, of actually teaching somebody instead of just telling somebody something, you know, and expecting them to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you told me a little bit about the other brewers that have worked under him. But can you, you know, tell the, the, the listeners a little bit? I mean, he... he interned at Arbor Brewing Company and yeah. brought people with him that were above him there. Right, right. Who have now gone elsewhere. So the guy is actually teaching him <laughs> the system, the 15-barrel right. system that they have over there, which uh, what we're using uh, over in Big Rapids. He brought Bill Gerds, who, you know, was teaching him how to take his homebrew recipe and upscale it to the professional 15-barrel system. And he brought Bill back. It was a great opportunity uh, for Bill. Bill jumped at the chance. And, you know, I mean, when we say working under, you know, it's a very respectable professional you know it wasn't like you know you do this bill you do this or i'm gonna whip you or you're gonna be fired you know it it was a very collaborative right um approach that adam took and uh bill about a year later got a great uh head brewing gig out in north carolina and then then we brought aaron striker who is another uh one of the guys helping adam out at arbor brewing company come out and he worked under adam or with adam and uh and then about a year after that he got a great uh gig out at uh working for rheingeist brewing company uh out in cincinnati ohio and you know they're expanding i i think they're they have like a 50 barrel or 100 barrel system that they're using so big big time production so yeah we've seen uh uh, both of them really talented brewers, really uh, added a lot to the Crankers flavor, um, and really complemented 
Adam um, and his beers. So it was a real good relationship that we had with both of those brewers. But we were lucky to have them come through right. Cranker System. So, I, I, you know, I've talked to your dad at length about how the process of hiring your dad, and I wrote about it on mittenbrew.com, but, I mean, can you talk a little bit from a son's perspective of how your dad kind of viewed going into the brewing industry? I know he had been thinking about it for, you know, since the 90s, and by the time he was ready to do it, he wanted to do it right. Yeah, well, I, I remember first wave microbreweries that uh, I could remember in the 90s. I mean, this was before I was old enough to drink and to understand what a microbrewery was. I knew they made beer, you know, and obviously in smaller batches than the macro beers. But, yeah, I remember telling them, yeah, this is going to be the new big thing. These microbreweries are popping up and all over. This is going to take off. And, you know, it it was, uh, it did you know, uh, flourish uh, a little. Um, obviously not as big as it has in the last 10 years, but that first wave, um, I remember him. He went out and visited my aunt in Eugene, Oregon, and out there in Oregon. Uh, it's just craft beers everywhere. I, I think uh, Oregon consumes the most local beers uh, percentage. I think their uh, local intake is uh, about 30%, which yeah. I think Michigan is up around, it's only about 10, maybe 12% now. Right. And we're, you know, fifth in, in the country of producing beer. So, um, you know, it's a big uh, craft beer state over there. And they like to buy everything local and you know do everything themselves and not really have to rely on bigger chains and stuff like that and i think it's good for the economy and it keeps them going over there i was me and my dad were just up at portland oregon for um the craft beer conference and we got to see it i got to see it firsthand and he he showed me uh bunch of the breweries and stuff that he went to and you know really fell in love and really understood it and my dad was always a food guy he started with a little meat market and then uh you know grew that into like a mom and pop food distribution company and then you know then he got into the coney island uh family diner restaurants and from there you know it was kind of one of those things that the recession hit and you know the first thing to go are the the restaurants so you know uh, a lot of people save money um eating at home so the the restaurants really took a hit and uh so we we talked and you know uh said hey what what what's the best way that we can uh make money more money internally and uh, and we said hey we gotta add alcohol in some form or uh, fashion and two of our three locations at that time were in college cities uh college towns which made sense you know and uh uh, the, the only problem at that time is we didn't have a liquor license, so we wanted to get a liquor license. They uh, wouldn't give us one, so uh, instead of just doing a little three-barrel system or five-barrel system that we were going to have, you know, five or six of our home brews and then a full uh, bar, we said, hey, uh, you know, the law is if you have a liquor license in your name, you can't distribute your beer, so we might as well, instead of going... Uh, from a you know three barrel system jump up to a 15 and then look for 
into the distribution routes and and kind of go that way and then turn over our other restaurants um, into brew pubs so and and that's uh, how we got to where we are today okay yeah I mean it's a it's a really cool story to, to listen to especially when so many people are just starting up as as former home brewers or whatever that are, have gotten into it in the last three years or whatever and then your dad's been following it for 30, you know, near 30 years at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, how did you get into craft beer? How did you decide, well, you know what, this is something that I could follow in my dad's footsteps? Uh, yeah. Well, I got into business uh, with my father. He actually called me up. I was actually out east uh, playing hockey for UMass Boston, having a good time, and it was after my uh, junior year. You know, he asked me, he said, hey, James, we got a new, I got a great deal on the location in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. You know, uh, I need you. I really would love to you know, have you partner up with me and we can, you know, start opening these together because that was kind of our dream being from the Detroit area, the Coney Island out there. I mean, there's a, that's like your uh, local diner. There's a Coney Island on, you know, every street and we kind of wanted to be uh, like a Leo's Coney Island or a National Coney Island chain. That was um, the dream before the recession hit and then we said, oh, okay, it's... (laughs) money's not flowing in like it used to maybe we shouldn't you know open more stores maybe we should you know just build in, uh, revenue internally so that's how I became in business uh, with my father and then uh, we were both craft beer fanatics you know um, drinking uh, I did little home brewing and stuff and you know my dad was just real big he like I said, he's since the 90s, he's been big into craft. He was actually the one that got me into craft. And, you know, and me and my hockey buddies were, you know, drinking uh, uh, bush lights and stuff like that. He would always, uh, you know, get, give us a hard time about it and, you know, tell us, hey, man, you know, you guys, your palates need to grow up. Your palates need to grow up. And uh, so, uh, you know, he's like, here, try this. And, you know, we... We'd try it, and it'd be like some 9.5% imperial stout, and, you know, we'd have one of those and, you know, have a good buzz going on and be like, whoa, one beer could do this, and that kind of piqued our interest and uh, piqued my interest, and, you know, so that for the first year and a half of craft beer um, when I was in, in college, uh, you know, they used to have these variety packs. This Ipswich uh, Brewing Company used to have these variety packs, and I would get them. You know, it was nice because I could have one or two beers and have a nice buzz, but not feel bloated and wake up the next day and have heartburn and <laughs> all that fun stuff. So, um, and then just from there, my palate, you know, uh, grew and matured. And, you know, now it uh, goes through different cycles from, you know, IPAs to stouts to whatever we're brewing at crankers to uh you know whatever we're gonna brew next so uh we got uh i'm I'm big into sours right now that's that's uh my new uh flavor uh of the month (laughs) and uh and because we're gonna be doing starting a uh, sour program at crankers so yep yep so uh that actually uh when we were in portland Oregon, uh, Adam Mills, our brewer, he was actually going to 
uh, like all the sour classes he could to okay. soak up all the information. And, you know, he's done a bunch of sours, really good ones. But um, so he got even more information now. So we're going to start a whole sour program. going to throw a lot of money uh, towards the sours. Uh, and, you know, see where that leads. I mean, Sours is the next thing. It's, it's got to be, yeah. basically. I mean, you look at the IPAs, it's dominated. And now yeah. if you put an IPA in the market, it's just going to get drowned out. Right, right. Everybody's got an IPA nowadays. I mean, everybody's it's, got ten got, IPAs. You, yeah, every, you have to. <laughs> nowadays. But the good thing about Sours is they're not hoppy beers. You know, we, there's, they're... The hops are, you know, the IPAs, I, I call them the liver and onions of the beer world. You either like them or you hate them. You right. know, there's really no in-between until you start, you know, really trying to push your palate and stuff like that. And I think with the sours, it's it's not a hoppy beer, and, and it's got a unique flavor profile that right. I think would suit the masses. Well, and sours is even, a, it's a kind of a misnomer because, I mean, there's different levels right. of sours. I mean, there's a sour that you can barely tell it's not a a blue moon yeah. like wheat beer, you know. It's right. like, oh, there's a little bit of a bite to it, but yeah. not much. But a then there's some that are like, it makes your mouth pucker. Yeah. And you know, and you know, IPAs are the same way. Oh, There's yeah. super bitter ones. There's uh, super you balanced know, ones. With super like balanced, hearted, which yeah. is, or you know, even Professor, which uh, I'm gonna need a beer here soon. Yeah. You know, and I'm probably gonna go Professor because waitress. Because <laughs> Professor's uh, an awesome beer. Yeah. And I know that's what you guys are, are focusing on. Where is your your lineup right now? I you know I talked to your dad recently. Um, and knowing you guys were going to scale up soon to have a five-front retail yep. look. Well, What's that looking like? Um, what's, it's looking right now, um, as far as bottle distribution uh, goes, right now we are bottling our Professor IPA, our Bulldog Red Irish Ale, and our Fifth Voyage Coconut Porter. Coming up, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, you know, I don't like... Ever like to give dates in this business, you but can't. <laughs> hopefully in the next month, maybe two. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, we're going to be bottling our Cherryo Cherry Ale. So it's a uh, cherry wheat. It's I call it uh, the beer drinker's fruit beer because it's got a nice uh, malted backbone to it. Um, but then and the cherries aren't so sweet where it almost tastes like a sour (laughs) you know and and it's not um and it's not it's not too sweet um but the cherries are there you can definitely taste the cherries and it's clean crisp refreshing uh it's a light drinker so it's a great summertime beer and we're looking to uh get that one out probably start doing that one spring through summer maybe through fall and then start doing our new russian imperial stout uh, which we might do four packs of in the winter time, which uh, is called Esteban the Terrible. It's uh, <laughs> Ru- Russian Imperial Stout. It's it's got a great name and it's uh, it's even a better beer. So it's got some nice chocolate tones with this nice dark roasted coffee and and malt flavors to it, uh, and it's very smooth and 
Uh, very good beer. It, it is eight and a half percent, so that's why we'll probably go with the four oh, yeah. packs instead of six. You only need four, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about cans? I know your dad talked a little bit about maybe getting cans into cans. And yeah, that would be awesome. That that would be awesome. Uh, we just came out with a session IPA called uh, Big in Japan. Uh, that that would be a good one to can. The Big in Japan. Uh, session IPA. It's brewed with citra hops. Uh, it's brewed and dry hopped with citra hops. Okay. Um, really great session beer. One of my favorite session beers that I've had to date. Um, so we're looking. That would be a great one to can. I think session um, I mean, IPAs yeah, and IPAs in general are better in cans just because there's less oxygen and that little bit of oxygen that's. Uh, in the bottle there, the first thing it attacks is isohumolones, which is a hop resin that gives it all its flavor and uh, aromatics to it. Um, and that's why, you know, IPAs, you'll see those go bad. You'll, you'll notice those go bad more than, like, you know, a darker beer of some sorts. Um, and that's because of the little bit of oxygen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just on the nose, that's crazy. Just on the nose, yeah. Get that dank smell of that citra hops. Wow. Nice, smooth, you know, easy drinker, not a heavy IPA, you know, I mean, obviously sessions. No, but that in a can would yeah. be. Yep. Kill it. Leap, leap right out. Take it to the beach. Take hang it to out the beach. All day. Yeah, yep. 4.7%. So you can keep up with uh, your hipster buddies drinking PBR, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about beer now, but I like to get into the person. You're a hockey man. I yep. mean, I know that. I know my girlfriend. She connected with you immediately yeah. when she met you. <laughs> I uh, was surprised uh, how much she knew about hockey and her she's passion. Insane, I really man. respected she's, it. Yeah, that's what it is, and uh, that's that's what my life is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well. But it's not a bad thing. I love hockey. Yeah, I always have, but for sure in the past three and a half years since I've been dating her, it's yeah. Hockey. Well, hockey's kind of like uh, the craft beer world. You know, they're small worlds, uh, but they're big. You but know? once you're in it, you're yeah, in it. you're in it, yeah. And you feel like it's an instant bond with somebody, and that's why, you know, you know, like in hockey, there's bandwagon fans, and then there's passionate right. fans, and uh, your girlfriend was definitely passionate, and I knew that she knew what <laughs> she was talking about, and she was passion, passion, uh, passionate about it, and... All that stuff, but uh, yeah, that's it. They're both small communities, but you know, when you're in it, you feel this instant bond because you feel like, you know, with hockey, you know, it's not as big as baseball, it's not as big as football, um, you know, it's probably it's not as big as basketball really either. And right. So, you know, hockey kind of gets dumped on a little, and, you know, ESPN forgets to play the highlights uh, every <laughs> night and, you know, stuff like that. So you feel like you're in it together with everybody in the hockey world. Uh, and I think craft is kind of the same where, you know, uh, you get a lot of fight back uh, from obviously the macro uh, beer companies and some of their patrons, and you know nothing more evident than uh, during the Super Bowl with the Budweiser uh, commercials uh, saying how they brew the hard way, and you know <laughs> I'd like to challenge them and come out here over uh, 
to 68th Street where we're really brewing the hard way where there's nothing digital at this location and uh, see see what they can do, you know, and love to have a, a brew off with, with those guys and anytime uh, they're available. I'll be I'll, may, I'll be available for them. So. And there's that challenge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but let's talk more about hockey. I mean, you, you played at the college level, which... And hockey, I think, means a lot more than playing football or baseball or basketball. At yeah, that well, level there's because a, there's fewer college there's, teams. There's a lot fewer uh, college hockey teams, uh, NCAA college hockey teams, than there is any baseball, other sport, any really. other sport. Yeah, <laughs> any other sport. And you know, I like I said, I grew up in the Detroit area. Uh, my dad, his family. Uh, my grandpa, big hockey people. All my uncles, you know, played hockey. My uh, my dad's only sister, my aunt, she played hockey. Um, everybody still plays hockey, or or coaches, or whether it be ice hockey or inline hockey. So I got some deep family hockey roots. Um, but I grew up out there. You know, I started in house leagues at Lakeland Ice Arena in the Waterford uh, Township area and then worked my way up and uh, my high school team didn't did not have a high school hockey because high school hockey wasn't that big um, in the Detroit area at the time uh, the only uh, real teams were the private school teams had had good hockey teams but the public uh, it didn't catch on yet um, and you know, so I actually played Triple A hockey uh, for the Michigan Nationals, um, which turned into the Detroit Trackers. And um, by the time my senior year uh, came around, my high school team or my high school got a hockey team. But at that point, I was already a, right. a couple levels uh, above that play. So uh, I wanted to take my uh, hockey to the next level and play at the next level. So I went and played junior A hockey, which um, I actually started here in Grand Rapids, um, where they had a uh, the Grand Rapids Bearcats, and we played out of the uh, Delta Plex, and they used <laughs> to have a hockey uh, arena back there, believe it or not. And uh, so I started. I actually lived here for a year. I uh, had a billet family that I lived with out out in Rockford, Michigan. Um, so this actually uh, that got me familiar with the Grand Rapids area, and that was one of the uh, factors of us getting our uh, Grand Rapids location here. And uh, and then, yeah, I, I played a year at Capital Center. I actually played uh, with Drew Miller um, on that team, and I also, our coach was John Cooper, the oh, Tampa Bay yeah. Lightning uh, head coach. Um, so he, he actually turned out to be uh, my coach and my lawyer that, that year. So got in a little trouble, but he, he, he took care of me free of charge, you know. So Coops uh, is, is a great coach, great guy. And then, uh, and then yeah, uh, got out to UMass Boston and got to experience, uh, you know, NCAA hockey, which was a different – uh, kind of hockey, no fighting. The junior A leagues was a fighting league, and uh, which uh, you know held you a little more accountable for your actions than uh, in a non-fighting league where you only play 
I think in college it's only 25 regular season games that you play compared to when I was playing junior A hockey. It was uh, we were playing close to 80 uh, games. So uh, so yeah, it was it was different that way. And then um, you know obviously with you know going to school full time and everything, it, it was a challenge. And you know uh, it was a challenge. I. Uh, gladly accepted um, and then it was funny because uh, my first year uh, working in, in Mount Pleasant and getting that place going uh, I decided to finish up my schooling at Central Michigan University and uh, my first semester I was like oh man I used to play hockey and you know do take you know five six classes a semester you know this this will be nothing you know I'll, I'll, I'll do five classes and you know run a business and I learned about about three weeks in I dropped about three of the classes and uh, so I, I was like a two to three uh, some, uh, class semester guy uh, and, and uh, so yeah I learned real fast I work in 60 70 hours a week and and uh, uh, going to school just didn't 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 cut it, you know. It's a lot tougher than playing playing uh, a sport and 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 going to going to college. So, but it was yeah, fun time. Definitely, you know, learned a lot of life lessons with hockey, especially a lot of discipline. Uh, you know, when to make it to those levels, you you got to commit a lot of your time and focus and energy. And and uh, you know, luckily, uh, I was lucky that my dad. Uh, my dad was my coach uh, growing up in the amateur ranks, um, which uh, years later find out that'll help me uh, learn to work with him better. <laughs> um, you know, come come when I uh, partnered up with him because you know he's he's still the boss, and you know I got to do what he says, and you know, and I know he likes to challenge me and ways that uh you know i might think of a better way to challenge me (laughs) he's got his ways and you know he's old school and and i'm new school and you know we kind of combine them together and you know with a great brewer like adam it's a nice uh synergy that just comes together and and puts out these fantastic products and you know brew pups that's incredible. I was going to ask you more about this, but you are still playing hockey, right? Yeah, I play in the, I call them the beer leagues. Um, well, you even, probably drink beer after the yeah, game. Yeah, we, so we definitely, yeah, we, we're drinking beers after the game. Uh, Cranker uh, sponsors uh, two teams here in town, one that plays at Griff's Ice House. That's our uh, Sunday Elite League. That's yeah. like uh, the best league in the Grand Ra- Greater Grand Rapids area um, would be the Sunday night at, uh, elite league at Griff's Ice House, um, and then we play in a 30 and over league at Patterson Ice Arena, which is uh, right behind Schmoes there. Yep. Um, so uh, if we don't, uh, if somebody forgets to bring beer to that game, it's not a big deal. We we'll just, just go over to Schmoes. Yeah, and and it's usually me forgetting the beer because I got to bring beer every game. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the. Mo- This might surprise you a little. The most requested beer when it comes to beer league hockey is our Cherry-O, Cherry Weed Ale. I can see that. I can see that. So it's one where it's not too sweet. You know, like I said, it would 
before about being the beer drinker's right. fruit beer. It's not too sweet, but it is refreshing. You definitely get that cherry flavor, but it actually tastes like a beer. It's got right. that malt backbone that, you know, you drink and you're like, yes, I, I still still have my man card. Right. <laughs> you so, know. now we're, we're looking at it. I mean, you've been named MLive's in the top ten. Yep. Of Michigan breweries, which is incredible when you got 130 plus breweries in the state. Yep. And I mean, it's definitely deserved. I mean, Adam's cranking out amazing beers. Oh yeah. Uh, but what's next? I mean, what are you guys doing? That's. I mean, I know you. You know, your dad talked about a production facility maybe in the future. I mean, mm-hmm. but um, he didn't know for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously. Hopefully in the near future for us, you know, obviously capital is a big deal and we'd have to find the right investor uh, to help us get there. Uh, But really, um, until we get to that point, uh, we're just going to be trying some new things, uh, putting out some new products uh, like today, um, our Firkin. This is our first Firkin that we tapped here at 68th Street. Um, we're doing some crazy beers uh, that we're brewing here, right on site over here, uh, right on site over in Mount Pleasant too, kind of test batch, small batch stuff that, you know, uh, if it goes good, we can do a production batch of it in the future. And uh, like we did over here, we did a pumpkin uh, porter over at this location two years ago, and this last year we did a production batch of it just okay. because every time we put it on tap over here, it was gone within 48 hours of us tapping it. So, um, and then Adam went from doing the small batch to the production batch, and you know that was a big hit. So we get to play around with stuff uh, right now. We're uh, working with. Uh, some some really weird ingredients and 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 some uh like chili peppers right now and uh this jamaican flour we're working with beers and and if you don't know what a jamaican flour is it's it almost looks like a dehydrated uh apple slice um that smells like roses uh but when you bite into it it's this citrusy fruity um intense sour flavor really uh different uh to say the least so we're, we're working with crazy you know ingredients like that and like i said uh adam and uh our his assistant uh andy gallagher uh they're working on the sour program over and up in big rapids and getting that going and see where we can take that and then obviously you know um using uh bourbon bourbon barrels and and uh, doing some bourbon barrel uh, beers and, and barrel-aged beers, uh, uh, oak, oak-aged beers as well. So um, so basically, you know, um, we're working just on the brew pubs right now uh, to produce better beers, better food, and, uh, you know, better service for everybody and, you know, getting those to as good as we can while we're, you know, uh, kind of reaching out and, you know, playing with some fun stuff in the meantime and if something you know great uh happens and then awesome and then you know hopefully by the time we're done experimenting uh with uh stuff we'll be ready to um 
you know, or when we get sick of uh, experimenting <laughs> with stuff, we'll we'll be ready to uh, jump into the big production brewery. So, which hopefully will be in the near future. So, um, but yeah, what what you were saying before with the canning, um, we we are looking at canning as well. So that's another thing in in our near future that to look out for. But uh, uh, yeah, that and adding more putting out more beers and bottles and and hopefully cans in the near future um that's what we see in in the near future for us and then obviously the distance would be of a different uh location for a production brewery um they're scaling up seems like a nice pace yeah just with a lot of good different products and well i think we started at the right size to help uh, build up. Right, it didn't start uh, too small. Yeah, didn't start too big. Too big. Um, yeah. I think it was just the perfect system, um, especially uh, for Adam to learn with and and to really um, uh, craft uh, his beers. And you know, uh, I think it's paid off so far. It definitely has. I mean, just tasting this this big in Japan guy. Mm-hmm. Tastes fantastic. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me. I mean, I'm well over the time limit now. So okay, awesome. We're good. Well, thanks for having so, me, man. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a Crankers Month on Mitten Brew, so yeah. come on. Come on and crank <laughs> up your craft. <laughs> there you go.